So right there, in that moment, where you were feeling what you were seeing, you were 100% present in that moment, in that thing. That's the level of integrity and awareness we want to develop with a mover. You are listening to the Live Better Show with Brett and Jason, where we dive into life crushers changing their game, talking about wellness, and sharing a message of putting plan into action. Live Better is based on five pillars. Move better, eat better, think better, give better, and live better. We move for freedom, to do and go where and when we want. We practice good nutrition to combat an age of being overfed and undernourished. We practice mindfulness for ways to live purposefully. We give better as the basis for why we do anything at all, especially when focusing on the health of our clients and community. And at the intersection of it all, we live better. Health and wellness is the sustainable fuel to do whatever it is in life you want to do better. Our guests share their story, their mission, and the pursuit of having the best day ever every single day. Hey! Turn up, bitch! <laughs> Today's sponsor of the Live Better Show is Hyperice. At Hyperice, their mission is to provide athletes with a set of tools that improve performance by accelerating recovery time, preventing injury, and enhancing the body's ability to move more efficiently. All Hyperice products are developed and tested to meet the standards of the world's best athletes. Vibrating foam rollers and balls, the best ever. We simply cannot get enough of the Hypersphere and Vipers. We use them before and after every training session we complete, whether that's for running or rock climbing. We are also lucky enough to provide you with the best discount code ever. Use the code LIVEBETTER20 for a 20% discount off the site. Carl Pauli, super excited to have you on the show today. How's it going out in San Fran? It is a beautiful day, my friend. Awesome. Um, so, Carl, I actually want to start this with a uh, big thank you. Um, I, I heard this yesterday. Actually, I'm a uh, recovering consultant myself. Um, I moved into nice. um, training and the kind of health space a few years ago. And actually, one of the first uh, little skills and goals I set for myself was to do a handstand for the first time. And in uh, combing the depths of the internet, I came across your handstand progressions on Gymnastics Wad, and then saw you across some stuff that I was following from Kelly and Starrett, and I stuck my first ever handstand, not on a wall, off of one of those handstand progressions. So I want to thank you very deeply for uh, the coaching and that that handstand progression video that kind of like really catapulted me and then ended up bringing brett and i into being super interested in gymnastics as a form of movement that's awesome that's awesome well first of all thank you uh, i appreciate that and uh yeah second of all uh, how cool is that that the internet <laughs> can allow for that to happen uh, it's it still blows my mind. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. I had seen a few things, but I think um, something that I'm I'm hoping or I, I know will get highlighted through this is how good of a coach you are. I think I was just identifying with what you were saying. It was really easily digestible for somebody who wasn't in gymnastics, and I think 
Um, you know, I love to talk about all the things you have going on, but just in general, um, could you start by just kind of chatting about who you are, what you're up to, what your focus is now? Um, and we'll get into some of those fun things. Yeah. Um, I guess what I'm up to right now is I've been going on for three and a half years, making a pretty big transition where it's funny. I was telling someone yesterday that one of the biggest the biggest struggles that I currently have in my life is is having to navigate the influx of um, messages, uh, emails, uh, thank you notes for my work as a as a, a physical educator uh, in the CrossFit space and the gymnastics space, and uh, having to navigate that, knowing that I spend ninety nine percent of my time. Uh, trying to uh, understand technology and science and trying to understand how to uh, develop different organizations and uh, how to run a business, how to create business models, uh, how those business models act as um, a a language for communication amongst uh, several organizations and within the organization and what does that mean in terms of leadership and communication and then how do you uh, put that information out uh, out into the, to the world through media by um, by uh, using technology such as uh, social media or or uh, other technologies that exist out there that can be, be as simple as as writing a book. So that's 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 my biggest struggle. But that's exactly what I'm doing, and, and what I'm doing is I'm trying to uh, basically build a portfolio. Uh, a venture por- portfolio, so to speak, where I can be in- involved in as many uh, companies, organizations as possible that are dedicated to getting people to uh, to move, move themselves, and, and move the world. And uh, I think by doing that, what uh, I'll eventually be able to do, my, my goal is maybe in, in five, ten years, really to start seeing these these fruits uh, come out. Is uh, Starting to solve some of the, the bigger problems, such as uh, climate and uh, lack of education and safety and well-being and uh, food and water and uh, these things that are really uh, meaningful uh, and I think impactful in our in our uh, society. I think that's really cool that you have that high level of a focus. Um, can we talk about some of those businesses maybe specifically? I know that um, you're involved with Strike Movement, so maybe we can start there. Yeah, so that's, that's actually a great example of, of what, I'm, what I'm working on right now is um, if we rewind to 2007, 2008, when I first got into CrossFit officially where uh, I realized that there was some media and uh, – you could uh, put yourself out there and, and, and share what you knew. And there was a place like the CrossFit community that would be receiving of that. That's where it all kind of started, where now all of a sudden uh, there was an opportunity to attract other brands that will get involved. And there were some brands that were created, uh, such as Rogue Fitness was, was kind of built from, from that world. And uh, there were 
others that were pre-existing brands, such as Reebok, that that came in and uh, aligned with the CrossFit Games, and then eventually uh, made its way into the rest of the the community. And for me, what I what I found at that time was that I was fortunate enough to be in the right place at the right time, saying the right things. And getting to uh, participate in uh, becoming a sponsored uh, coach, in this case, with Reebok. So I was with them for two and a half years, and that led to me really uh, getting to explore every department at Reebok and getting to talk to every executive and all the way down to the designers, to uh, the people that were getting to test the the shoes uh, and and seeing how the whole thing was orchestrated and uh, two years into it uh, I grew pretty frustrated because I realized although there's this very positive intent and there's so much opportunity I am just a, a number within this this organization and the velocity uh, and speed that I can bring to to moving product, to getting the product to be better, to uh, getting people to really understand why this product could be useful for their practice and how, when they use it, it, it can actually continue to educate them beyond the coaching itself and beyond the, the physical movement itself. Uh, I realized that I wasn't able to maximize my potential there. So I, I ended up leaving Reebok and uh, investing into Strike Movement, which was uh, back then a very uh, young, uh, up-and-coming footwear company that also had a uh, an apparel uh, department to it, and uh, I came in as as uh, as an investor. And at first, it was all sweat equity, and then it became more than that. And uh, and now, what I do is I I participate in Strike Movement as an investor and as an advisor, as um, a spokesperson, and. And the goal is to simply use strike movement, the brand, the, the, the shoes to, to create an excuse for people to connect and unite and to uh, celebrate movement and to celebrate movement by getting people to move but also continuing to educate themselves. And, uh, and that trickles into uh, more business aspects such as the technology and the production and the distribution and yada, yada, yada. It's a, it's a snowball effect. That's really cool. So, I actually am uh, staring at a brand new pair of Strike Movement shoes sitting under my feet right now. Nice. What, yeah. what, what, what did you get? I went with the, the all-white uh, pills. Nice. I'm pretty pumped. And I good, just saw... Good. Good choice. <laughs> I just saw a an Instagram video of uh, one of the athletes that you guys sponsor. I like. I feel like this is how every, how you know of anyone now. His Instagram handles like I am Wavezilla or Wavezilla or something like that. I'm like, wow, if that dude yep. can move like this, like, <laughs> give me a pair. That is awesome, man. That is so awesome. Yeah, that's uh, Daryl Stingley. I am Wavezilla. Is Daryl Stingley? He's a professional free runner. Uh, based uh, here in the Bay Area in California, and uh, he is the epitome of movement expression that we're looking for, and what we're hoping people can can relate to. And and Daryl brings so much more than just the physical component. When you talk to him, he has a depth to to his his approach and to the way he looks at the world that just speaks volumes of of what. 
uh, our philosophy is over at Strike Movement. Yeah, that's that's really cool. I love to see the people that kind of like work with the brands, and especially when they're people that you can really like look up to or do things that that they want to do. Um, you mentioned that he does a lot of like the freestyle running and stuff, and we know that that's something that you kind of coined too is that freestyle mentality in regards to your training and all of that. Can you dive a little bit deeper into kind of like what that word means to you and how you utilize that in, in your daily practice? Yeah. So growing up, I did gymnastics, artistic gymnastics. And in the world of gymnastics, there is a roadmap to success. And there is this big book, which is the code <laughs> of all the elements that uh, gives you the value. It's like a currency uh, uh, portfolio. And basically, it's, it's a movement portfolio that when you look at the movements, you uh, know how much they're worth in competition. And if you compete them right, then uh, you, you will score big points. Your investment will, will pay off. And uh, it, it was great because it gave you this amazing diversity in gymnastics, but... The, the way that you prepare for something like the Olympics is pretty linear. It's very much here, here are the steps. This is, uh, you go from one to two to three to four and you do that as many times as you have to do it until you can move to the next level and, uh, you go through these, uh, microcycle, mesocycle, <laughs> macrocycle, Olympic cycles and, uh, hopefully you are adapting fast enough and and getting to the point where you can compete at the highest level at the right time and then you're successful but it's a very linear rigid path when i left gymnastics uh, at the age of 19 i was really into snowboarding and wakeboarding and what i realized was that i could perform uh tricks with my snowboard or wakeboarding that were, in terms of execution and technique, uh, not correct according to the gymnastics rules. But when I was doing them behind a boat uh, and wakeboarding or on the mountains while snowboarding, my friends would cheer me on. Like it was the coolest <laughs> thing ever. Straight right? gold medals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, it was, it was gold medals all around. <laughs> so that's when I, re- that's when I realized, Oh yeah, this, this one way of doing things doesn't have to be the only way. And if these people are cheering, they're seeing something that is special or of value. What is that thing? And that's where the mentality of, breaking the rules and seeing an alternative uh, solution to a certain problem started to arise. And then eventually I got into coaching gymnastics more, got into the fitness industry by complete accident. I had no intention of getting into it, becoming a personal trainer, finding CrossFit and realizing that CrossFit was this uh, freestyle strength and conditioning program. Anything, anything goes. There's a template to it, but it's anything goes. And in addition to that, I was uh, around action sports athletes and specifically these dancers, break dancers. And there was one specific guy that uh, really changed my, my, my life. And this was uh, my friend Gabriel Jiao Chico, who is well known in the, in the break dancing community as B-Boy Wicket. And B-Boy Wicket 
approached me one day and said, would you like to come to Korea with me to this breakdancing event? It's a battle. And I was like, I'll go. So <laughs> I, went, I, I flew out to Korea and I attended this b-boy event. And they started talking about musicality and originality and signature movements. And there's a foundation, but the foundation is just where you build your house on. And everyone's house can be different. And you get to create your own world. And that's where I created uh, the next level of thinking where it was, oh, yeah, it's all about being able to freestyle. And freestyle is taking these... Um, controlled, learned skills and putting them together in unique ways that express who you are. And that's where the philosophy of freestyle comes from, where as it's evolved, it really is all about accepting and respecting all styles and all disciplines in all areas of life and then translating that into whatever it is that you you want. And that's that's what freestyle is. That's it's I think it's really cool that you can take the breakdown of movement, explain how each works, and then recognize a pattern between stringing potentially one or two or three or more of them together, and then understanding how that applies to do whatever it is you want to do better. I think it's been an interesting Uh progression for Brett and I. We got into the training world, and then yoga, and then some gymnastics, and then rock climbing, and then snowboarding, and mountain biking, and surfing. And it's funny how well you can start to coach and break things down, even if you're a beginner at the sport, just by understanding the way the human body moves. Maybe you won't be a pro right off the bat, but you can certainly figure out how to go then and teach somebody else how to be a beginner, even if you can't do it yourself, just by sort of understanding how those patterns apply to more than one sport, more than one movement. I think that's really cool that... um, the diversity of like sport and activity you've taken to develop this type of method and thinking. Yeah, that's uh, you you uh, you summarized it uh, beautifully. That's exactly what it is. Um, in the thank you in the in the uh, book and now freestyle, I guess has grown into like kind of a full scale movement for you. Um, can you kind of just walk through the four main movements in there, or just sort of explain your theory on that um, a little bit more? A, a lot of our listeners I think are at variable stages of fitness and where they're at and what they might be interested in. So I think, um, you know, getting on this topic of like uh, applicability to whatever activity people might be into, I think is a really awesome, um, will be really awesome to hear about. Yeah. First, first and foremost, um, it kills me to have to tell you that the four movements are all clickbait. It's basically, uh, just a sales gimmick. <laughs> Okay, uh, but that's the truth. Uh, but the four, the four movements that I teach in the book are um, pistols, which is a single leg squat. It's a handstand push up. Uh, it's a muscle up, and then there's a burpee. And the reason I teach those is because those were the movements that the CrossFit community wanted to learn uh, when I first got into it. So I allowed for those four movements to continue to become the pillar. Uh, and framework that I use to teach people everything else. So they were simply the bait, the bait that would attract the fish, and hopefully they would bite. And once they bit, 
I wouldn't give them actually what they wanted, but what they actually needed. <laughs> and in the case of the pistol, uh, it's all about basic squatting mechanics, which uh, we can relate to uh, basic pushing and pulling mechanics for the lower body, which we can relate to directly into uh, using your main power generator, which is your hips. When it comes to locomotion and moving from one place to another, like getting up out of your bed and going to the bathroom, buying groceries, playing with your kids, these are very powerful tools. And what I do in the book is I give people a framework that allows them to see these basic patterns and see how they fit within a progression, an infinite progression, where you can use a pistol as simply a beacon of light that gives you an opportunity to create some direction. And once you start going in that direction, you start learning some things. And that's what that's all about. And then uh, I do the same thing with a handstand push-up, which is not about a handstand. No one cares about a handstand, really. It's once you get it, you got it, you unlocked it. Uh, now what? Uh, it's all about the process. And in terms of the handstand push-up, it's all about pushing mechanics for the upper body. And then I go into the muscle-up, which is another simple excuse. And the metaphor there is being able to uh, do some pulley mechanics, of course, but it's getting over an obstacle, clearing an obstacle. In this case, the rings. And uh, the beauty of this is that we see this pattern uh, of clearing the rings. We can see it on a bar. We can see it on a, a rope that you can climb. We can see it when we get out of a chair or we uh, get over, uh, jump over a wall. It's it's everywhere. And that's where I lead into the final movement, which is the burpee, which is simply an excuse to talk about our ability of getting off of the ground, which is the first thing we do in the morning. We, we get out of bed. Our beds, of course, are high. They're not on the ground anymore. But back in the day, they were. And the last thing that we do at night, which is getting back down. And it's the same thing at a macro macro level, which is the first thing we do as babies is we learn to get up. And the last thing we do in our life is, unfortunately, we go down and we die. So it's giving people this um, just lick of the lollipop, if you will, uh, where uh, it's not about the movements. It's about what the movements can can really give you in terms of insight. And uh, that's what the book is is about. That that really breaks it down. It's I think what you just hit on the head right there, which is something that resonates with Jason and I, is the meaning behind movement, um, the meaning behind doing things and, and getting up and, and moving around. You're right. It doesn't really matter if you can back squat 400 pounds. No one on the street knows it. But if you can get up and move around or if you can jump and play and do all of those things, that's what that's where it all lies. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess what you just did right there was like I was thinking if I never even thought about doing a pistol squat or a muscle up, for example, the way you just broke it down in 15 seconds made me want to go try to do one right there. So I think one question um, I would have is, uh, and you and you could break it down into, into two scenarios. If you're if you're helping somebody one on one, or I know you put on a lot of cool like group type events, um, how would you describe your coaching style um, in regards to maybe the, those four movements or just any of the things that you're doing? What is what is your style of, of being a coach? The style is hands off. And the, the, the style is um, full ownership of the participant. The participant is in full control. My job as a coach 
is to be de- able to deliver the most simple, clear, compelling message that when it's uh, received by the participant, they receive it as if it were their own original thought process. It's, it's almost like um, uh, downloading some software and all of a sudden being able to use it without even knowing how the software was created. That's, that's the approach. And, and the way that has uh, happened is very simple because in, in the early stages of my coaching career, I, I officially started coaching at the age of 14. That's when I, I started. And I was coaching uh, little pre-K kids uh, before I would start my training session and when I was competitive. And I remember uh, not knowing how to tell the kids how to do something. I was basically just regurgitating whatever my coaches were telling me. And then as, as it got more technical, I would demonstrate the movement the way they were doing it if there was some something that was incorrect and then I would demonstrate it again in a way that was maybe more optimal and efficient and as I demonstrated it I would simply describe what I was doing I would create a literal description of my performance and over 20 years of doing exactly that with uh, thousands and thousands of movement patterns I got to the point where I didn't have to demonstrate anymore I could just say something one word one thing and that one thing could uh prioritize the whole uh process by simply acting as a catalyst and when you learn to do that and you learn to layer those little catalysts all of a sudden you can create a seminar you can create a a training protocol you can become a coach who is um almost invisible not even present not around it's like if you do you don't even need me i don't need to be here that's that's the level that i i uh, operate at or that's my uh way of, of coaching yeah that i think um first of all that's that's awesome and you're just making me want to go do things as you're <laughs> saying this so whatever you do is working um super that's interesting cool. i think um so Jason and I are both um, coaches. We do some. Um, we work at Barry's Boot Camp and do some stuff and do some other um, yoga training and all of that. And what was interesting is recently I broke my collarbone, and in the class that we teach, you have to or you're taught to demonstrate the move so that if someone didn't hear you because we've got a big group like 60 people doing a workout, someone didn't see you, they want to visually see it. Well, I couldn't demonstrate a lot of workouts when we're doing all sorts of stuff with one arm in a sling. So I took that opportunity to still teach and really hone in on my vocal cueing. Um, And just like you said, it was like that progression to now that I'm back fully functional, I could teach a whole class and never demonstrate a workout. And it goes just as well as it did when I would demonstrate every single workout. And that happened to me due to an injury. But looking back on it, that was just a really cool kind of way to challenge myself as a coach. Um, so I think that that's a really like cool way to think about it is get people to do stuff on their own, get people to learn and be as minimalistic as you can. And then when you, when you need to hit them with something big, that's when you can, you can demo or you can adjust or you can show. So I love that. That's awesome. 
Exactly. Exactly. It's all about. It always comes out to being as effective and efficient as you can in uh, in your actions. So speaking of that, <laughs> um, if you let's just for conversation purposes take like an average cross section of somebody who works out every so often. Um, and we have to create specific limitations for you to answer this question. We can do that, but somebody who definitely works at a desk, so tight hips, shoulders rolled forward, maybe they travel, um, moderately into fitness. Uh, where would you, where would you start with somebody pretend they, they don't have any real, um, like glaring injury problems, but where do you think maybe a better question is where do you find people most deficient in their movement? Would you find it with squat pattern, overhead pattern, posture? Um, I'm always interested to hear um, coaches who have worked with a really wide variety of clients on, you know, the kind of the common ailments that they see. Yeah, it sounds like you're describing myself. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I'm not joking, actually. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's true because I, I spend most of my time uh, right now I'm sitting talking to you guys and this is what I do most of my day. Uh, but this is what I, I, I have seen is where most people struggle is simply being aware that they have a body. They, they feel, some people feel pain, some people feel discomfort, uh, but for the most part, people in the world are numb. They're numb to what is happening with their bodies, what is going on with their bodies. So the, 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 the first thing that must be developed is, is a level of awareness. And, and this is an exercise that's really, really simple. Uh, and, and you guys can do it as you're listening to me here. If, if, you, if you just look at your hands right now uh, and you look down at your hands, you, you're going to be able to look at your hands and you probably can start describing what you see. Like I see a bunch of calluses. Uh, I have a little bit of a, a torn callus from some work I did this week. Um, I recognize some lines on my hands, uh, and, and you guys can do that as well. But now you can take it to the next level where you're not just looking at your hands, but you can actually feel what you're looking at. And if you just take a second and pause as you're looking and feel what you're looking at, you may perceive like a slight vibration or even a crackling in your joints as they move very slowly. This is weird. <laughs> right? did, you, did you feel that? I'm yeah. vibrating. My, like my, my middle um, joint on my finger, it was like every one of them felt like they like cracked. Yeah, so right there in that moment where you were feeling what you were seeing, you were... 100% present in that moment, in that thing. That's the level of integrity and awareness we want to develop with a mover. And it doesn't matter what their problems are. Everyone has the same problem. It's important to know where to start, and we start with this. And this will lead to the next thing where it's like, oh, those are my hands. Oh, those are my wrists. Those are my elbows. Those are my shoulders. Those, that's my neck. Here's a movement. Let's move through this movement, whatever it may be. Let's get on the ground. Let's get off the ground. Let's roll over. Let's stand up. And you'll start discovering 
things that require uh, developing some fluidity, and then you use whatever techniques you want to use, or you just make them up. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you can make it up as long as you're doing it with uh, awareness. You're always going to be remaining safe. You're always going to be um, remaining in a place where you're you're uh, you have utility and it's being useful. It's going to be long lasting. And in that moment, you're going to be setting a new standard. And just because you're setting a standard in that moment means that you are progressing, you are adapting. And that is the exploration of purposeful movement. But it needs to start with the awareness. If we don't have the awareness, we don't have access to any of the other things. You can be as technical and awesome as you want, but if you, if you don't have awareness of how you're moving through space, you're, you're only going so far. Yeah, that that drill. We're gonna pull that out of this show and send that out to all of our our listeners and followers because that was that was something that um, I mean, Jason and I are, are love the like you know body awareness and and being you know mindful of the way that you move. That's why we like practicing yoga because there's just so many different cues that you're thinking, you're in a pose, you're striking, you're breathing. But then like a good teacher gives you those little cues. Like, oh, I need to be focusing on these on these things. So that. That to me was amazing. Do you have you ever had, and I'm sure you have, um, the way that you're describing these these movements to me seems like very simple and and something that I am all in. How do you how do you work with somebody that maybe you do that drill where they look at their hands and they're like, ah, I don't feel this, I don't see it. Like when you have a difficult person that still wants to work out or wants to be a better mover, how do you get over that hurdle? Mm-hmm. I love you. I'll see you when you're ready. <laughs> yes that's it i, I think people it. just need to be encouraged to move more in general like you wouldn't know that unless you tried and it could be i like the application that you kind of give for it really doesn't matter what you're doing you could be wakeboarding you could be snowboarding you could be just getting out of bed and i think for some people that have low back pain and um are dealing with neck issues like the the getting out of the bed, the first thing you do every day, that's probably going to send you a pretty clear signal right off the bat. Maybe it takes uh, an elite level mover, um, you know, somewhere halfway between like a pretty intense workout to be like, oh, there's my shoulder. We're like, oh, there's my quad or my hamstring. Um, And I think it's it's important for people to note um, that everybody's kind of like on a different path. Everybody's body's different. So giving one application for like this is the exact way to do it is a bit tough to do. But I think just the general advice that we all need to move more and just use that as kind of a prescription to, all right, here's here's my assessment. I got out of bed and my low back hurts. I was getting back into bed and my hips hurt. Like there's your there's your starting point. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's it that and that, that's the unfortunate part is that. Most of the action taken by most individuals is when they're met with resistance. Oh, I have pain. Oh, I fucked up. Oh, I whatever. And now they do something about it. The most boring thing in this world is preventive medicine, which is what we're all prescribing. We're like, oh, you should move more. You should do more. You should go train. Well, for what? I don't feel anything right now. I'm, I'm totally fine. I don't need that. So it's it's finding something else, and the the something else is a meaning that goes 
beyond movement. And this is part of the mindset, but it's not even mindset. It's what's underlying the mindset, which is the, the feeling. And the feeling is what comes with the need. And the need is something that is uh, basic to all human beings. And it's about creating an environment that's conducive to become aware of those things. That, that's what we're really doing. And if we can prescribe move more and, and shout it out and hopefully people do it, great. It's not going to get people across the finish line. And most people that get started, they're, they're going to drop off. So there's, there's more to be done, and it needs to extend beyond uh, the, ah, I have back pain or whatever. And it's exactly what you're saying, and I think that's the, 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 the big hurdle that we're all uh, standing in front of, and we have to get each other over this thing. And, and I think that's why this conversation is, is so interesting. I think one you keep, you keep coming back to just like – that buzzword of, of mindfulness and being understanding of, you know, how your body works, why you have it and the ability that you have to be able to move in general is just a blessing. Like going back to my shoulder injury, I was like, you can't, I, like, I can't move my arm and this sucks, but getting back to moving it, it's like, that's an amazing feat. Like just the fact that we can move. Do you have yeah. any, um, and we want to we want to dig into a little bit more about like your personal like workout routine and stuff. But on this topic, do you have any things that you do daily or you prescribe to others to do daily that are a practice very similar to the thing that we did where you just looked at our hands? Um, whether that's meditation um, or anything along those lines. Uh, I mean, it varies, of course. Um and everyone is different. Everyone needs something different in terms of uh, their own practical thing. But if, if you're asking me what my own routine is and what I would prescribe for myself is uh, I would uh, get up, first of all, uh, and uh, I, I take some time for myself. Sometimes it's 10 minutes. Sometimes it's two hours. It depends on how much time I need to get it out. But I, 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 I write a lot. Uh, or I just sit there in, in silence for a little bit, which you could consider meditation. Um, but just spending some time with yourself, either uh, just sitting and taking things in or uh, purging, which could be journaling. So that will be you know the number number one thing that I do that that gives me the the fuel to go through the day. When it comes to movement. Uh, anything goes. It can be go for a run, get on the ground, get back up, pick up a barbell, pick up a dumbbell, hang from a bar, stretch a little bit, eat some good food, <laughs> drink some water, enjoy some good food that uh, may not be the optimal for your performance, but then know where to come back in terms of your foundation. I think it's just such basic lifestyle choices and then within the process of choosing those lifestyle choices learn what they are and learn about the ones that make you feel good and then stick to those i <laughs> i wish i had a, a giant like boom stereo i could just open my door and play that for all of chicago to hear <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> Um, <laughs> well, here, can I tell you something? I would love that. 
This is the biggest thing. Do you want to make change? Acknowledge people. And when you acknowledge someone, now do the same thing with yourself at least once a day. Because the same feeling that you get when you acknowledge someone, whether it's uh, saying hello or smiling at someone or looking at someone in the eyes as you're walking by on the street, if you do that with yourself, you're going to be able to feel the same things. And sometimes, beware, sometimes when you acknowledge someone or you look at them, you may get a negative reaction back. Just because the, the reaction that you get back seems at first to be neg- negative, it's just something that you are imagining is negative. Everyone is operating uh, positively. It's just that they, their behavior may not be aligned with that. So it's assuming positive intent when you acknowledge and you receive some sort of reaction or you get uh, something coming back to, to you. And when you practice that with others, uh, you'll be able to do that with yourself as well. And you'll notice that when you acknowledge yourself, if something negative comes out, you will become aware of that. And you'll realize that whatever negative thought or feeling is coming up has a positive origin. And the more you do it, you'll be able to tap in to that positivity and eventually create a flow that transcends you into movement, into your craft, into whatever it is that uh, moves the needle for you um, and your role and your impact that you make in this world. Could not agree more. Um, I think your outlook and philosophy is something that is needs to be preached more. I think it's super interesting. Do you have any um, teachers or books or any literature that you have, I guess, I guess has helped shape this kind of philosophy that you're preaching right now that you would recommend maybe like a first couple either books or teachers for people to look at? Well, I was fortunate enough to have my parents, my mom and my dad, uh, instilled this in me since I was a kid. And I was a very troubled kid, a uh, very difficult kid, had a lot of fears and behaviors. And they were never judged. My behaviors were never judged. They were uh, accepted for what they were. But there was an uh, active environment that was constantly conducive to my growth. The second thing that I had was I had uh, gymnastics. I had a sport. I had a focus, a discipline. And I I focused on that for many years, 18 years to be exact. And I went all in. Within that discipline, I had mentors. I had my coaches. And those coaches were my teachers. And with those teachers uh, came, uh, of course, literature that was directly related to the sport itself. And what I learned within gymnastics was that if you pay attention, there are some principles, some universal principles that are universal and carry over to everything else. And even though I didn't have um, a grasp of those, I started becoming aware of those. So when I became uh, a student outside of gymnastics and uh, went into college and uh, studied environmental science and specialized in genetic engineering and then went into the macro side of things like uh, marine biology, I realized that all the literature was based off of similar principles. And as um, I've grown older, uh, I've, uh, I've focused on uh, things like self-development. So going to a, a, a very basic one would be Eckhart Tolle, 
The Power of Now. That's a very powerful book. You don't even have to read the whole thing. You can just pick up, read 10 pages, and you'll get what you need out of it. But you have to exercise what is said. Uh, and when you do that, you see change. Uh, a, a book that I just reread recently, which was actually a really good reminder, was The One Thing. I forget who the author is. That was uh, great. Uh, this one may come off as uh, weird that I'm reading for some people, uh, but it's uh, a book called God is Not Great uh, is another one. Uh, of course, I'm, I, I, I'm spacing it. Christopher Hitchens, I believe his name is. Uh, it's just ways of thinking that are uh, questioning what is. And when you do that, you start seeing the, the, the principles that are underlying. Ray Dalio, for example, he just came out with a book recently uh, called Principles. That's also a very good book. Um, uh, some popular guys like, uh, if you uh, read someone like uh, Gary Vaynerchuk's uh, uh, first, I think his first book was Ask Gary V, and then he had Jab, 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 Right Hook, which is Give, yeah. Give, Give, and then Ask. <laughs> yep. uh, that's a great way of approaching uh, uh, kind of emotionally approaching business. And then you can go in and uh, uh, read a lot of uh, autobiographies like uh, someone that's relevant right now. Elon Musk is very interesting to read. Uh, but then you can also see what uh, Malcolm X was doing and uh, people that have been pivotal in, uh, in our history. So, yeah, there's an infinite number of books uh, you can read, but that's kind of the, the literature that I would uh, follow from my parents all the way to today. I think that's such an interesting progression that, you know, you, you found things that were limiting you before, but even going back on something where, you know, you felt like, you know, by self-admission, you were a, uh, more of a difficult kid, at least to deal with that you found the silver lining. That was the example that your parents set and it's drawing that parallel. It's given you the outlet or you've also had the outlet of gymnastics to show you what the human body is capable of. And then through kind of like self-learning and a very, what seems like diverse, diverse education skill set, um, how some of those principles kind of like transcend either movement or thought or industry, I think helps kind of to answer like Brett's question, helps you round out this like worldview you've come up with that it needs to be self-reflective and then taking yet that self-reflection, um, putting things out into the world and then judging on how you treat people is also how you should treat yourself and like bringing that all back full circle to self-love is a pretty cool kind of like, <laughs> uh, life overview. Maybe you should write a book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I mean, uh, I was, I was in the kitchen last night, uh, and, and my wife, uh, Tanya, she's sitting, uh, on the couch uh, watching TV and, uh, she was talking about some of these girls that she coaches in gymnastics that are so talented, so smart. And she said, you know what? What's interesting is that uh, these girls are so self-critical and uh, they kind of remind me of you. And she was talking about myself and I am my worst critic. So going to your point, uh, exercising self-love is, is the biggest thing that I do on a daily basis because uh, I criticize myself. To such degree that uh, I could I could easily spiral into a depression and and be be a goner very soon. 
So that, that's the biggest thing that I do is exercise this self-love. And when I do that, what I do is all of a sudden I create the space for for uh, more people, for you guys, for uh, myself, <laughs> being my ego to even be able to exist with with uh, with who I am. And and that's that's really cool. Yeah, I think that's a is a really unique. Um, insight that you can take a step back and do that. Just talking about general awareness, I think most people aren't even aware of of that type of line of thinking. They just go to work and come back home and are not really aware of the things that are making them happy or or potentially not. Um, but speaking of your personal routine and self care, what does what does your uh, personal workout routine look like right now? Yeah, uh, so back in two thousand thirteen. I was so burnt out that I basically just screw said screw it. Um, I have no interest in going to the gym, and I, it would it would be I would go for weeks without doing anything. I, I'm saying nothing. Uh, and eventually, I started running a little bit, and then you know, I'd run twice a week. And then I'll be like, oh, I'll just stretch a little bit. And then I started climbing a little bit. And then I thought, well, I'll do some accessory work. So I started lifting a little bit. Uh, but I was really not doing uh, with my body. And it was at the beginning of this year that uh, I reached out to a friend. And I, I said, I, I really need your help. And he said, just come into the gym and uh, hang out. You, I, you don't even have to do anything. You just have to hang out. And uh, I came in and uh, I realized that all I needed was a space that had uh, a discipline around it. And this space happened to be CrossFit again. And uh, I got into CrossFit with no intention of getting into CrossFit. And uh, I started uh, taking classes one hour a day for five, six days a week. And I've done that consistently now for a year. And I feel 5,000 times better than I've ever felt. Now, here's the, 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 the kicker is that although I'm doing CrossFit and I'm quote unquote working out, what I focus on when I'm training is not on the discipline itself and it's not on working out, but actually working in. And what that means is as I go through my training, I am focusing on working in one new aspect at a time into my my uh, routine. So let's say uh, there's some squatting and some pull-ups involved. I would work in uh, focusing on maybe just looking thing, making things look beautiful, and that would be the focus. And I would do that until it became a habit. And uh, what we know from, from research is that once you've done it for 21 days straight, uh, you have now instilled a pattern. And then once you hit the 66 uh, repetition or a day in a row, all of a sudden that habit has become uh, a foundation. And now you can do the next thing. So that's what I've been doing all year. I've been uh, organically finding these different focuses, such as moving and making it look beautiful, feeling intensity in terms of speed, adding some load, and uh, that's how I've been developing within the CrossFit discipline. And although my training looks 
the same as everyone else's, it feels different. The way I'm measuring it is, is just different. And that's, that's what you could say is the, the original aspect of my personal training routine. I love the way that you just described on how you measure it. It might not matter the amount of weight or what the person next to you is doing, but it's that kind of like inward feeling. Um, and I also love the the idea of adding that like new thing and, and continuing to, to try to find something new. Um, Jason and I do a very similar thing about adding that new thing. A bunch of our listeners and followers have followed our, and Jason mentioned this really early on, thanking you, our kind of progression to the handstand and it's something that both of us do now and and it's something that we you know we try to help people whenever we do a big yoga class we always spend five minutes in the middle getting people into a headstand just to play just to try something new we always want people to do that what is the um for our listeners that want to master the handstand and join the, the team that can do it what does the progression look like for you, for someone that's just starting out, and how would you coach them through that? Maybe breaking it down from like the 21-day thing you mentioned to 66-day. Just like if they have some time and they want to do it, what would it look like? Yeah, I think for a total beginner, if you just got on the floor and you got into a plank position with your arms straight, meaning the top of a push-up, you're doing a handstand. That's that's position number one. Uh, once you're there, you start focusing on the base. So you think about your hands, hands flat on the ground. Spread your fingers as big as you can. Grab the ground a little bit. Grip the ground a little bit. The next thing you would do, you would lock your elbows out. Just thinking about keeping your arms straight, that means that you have something you're posting on. And simply feeling like you're locking your elbows out gives you that sense that you, you the stilts that you're creating that you're going to be standing on when you do a handstand are there and you'll be creating this habit and then feeling how from your hands all the way into your elbows and all the way into your shoulders there's support and then from there just thinking about creating the most beautiful line from your head all the way down to your toes and then uh, if you want to start thinking about nuances, the micro stuff, you can start by thinking about squeezing your butt just a little bit. Simply by engaging your butt a little bit, you'll get the hips to be neutral. And the beauty of getting your hips to be neutral is you'll get your spine to be a little bit more neutral. Your abs will immediately turn on. And when your spine is a little bit more neutral, it's stable. And when it's stable, you're tapping into the nervous system. And when you're tapping into the nervous system, you're tapping into the command center, which is your brain, where the decisions start to happen. And the beauty is that that's where you start addressing motor control, which is where you have control over what your body does. And that's how you reverse into uh, feeling and becoming aware of any movement pattern. In this case, we're talking about a plank for the handstand. So that would be level one. Now you could take that plank and you could put your feet against the wall and hands on the ground. So if there's a wall, you're facing this wall, turn away from the wall, put your hands on the ground and put your feet right where the wall meets the floor in that corner and create a plank position. With your hands flat on the ground, just climb your feet as high as you can up towards the wall. And when you get as high as you can without moving your hands, just look at your toes. That would be level two. You would basically be in a 45 degree angle against the wall and you would be in a partial handstand. Now, level three, this one can be as progressive as you want. What you start doing is you start moving your hands closer to the wall as you walk your feet up. 
the end goal would be to get to the point where you're in a full handstand, where your face is facing the wall, your chest and your belly is facing the wall, and you're holding it. The way you would get out of that would be simply reversing that wall walk. So you would walk your hands away from the wall, bring your feet down. All of this time, as you're going through those three stages, what you've been working on is exactly the same things we worked on in the beginning. Keeping your hands flat, locking the elbows out, keeping that nice straight line, which is tapping into motor control, and then applying that to a higher level or degree of difficulty, such as the handstand. Boom. <laughs> that's it. That is – that's all. That, yeah, I love the the breakdown of the – when you mention like motor control and you are in control of your body, that's something that has resonated throughout this conversation that we've had that I think it's kind of like the first thing you said. Um, and we keep coming back to it. And I think that to me is something that's just so enlightening to hear. Um, the, the concept of ownership for yourself, um, whether that's in a physical practice like a handstand or it's in a relationship or it's in – your work environment, wherever that lies, is that you are in control. Like you make the choice to do everything that you do every single day. Um, I think what you're saying translates beyond physical movement and into into like a life philosophy, which is pretty amazing. That's cool. Um, do you have any favorite coaching memories or favorite memories from gymnastics? potentially mm, I mean I have some I, I think the biggest one is probably was in 1996 at the national championships I had a really crappy uh, year and uh, I had also a crappy competition and my final event was the vault and uh, I had a vault and I my competition had way higher degrees of difficulty in terms of uh, what they were performing compared to mine. And I just went out there and I did this very simple move, but I did it so well that I stuck the landing and it put me on the podium and I ended up uh, taking second uh, that year and I got a silver medal for for vault. And then eventually vault became kind of my specialty and uh, I, I actually retired as the Spanish national champion for for vault, <laughs> uh, which was cool. But I, I think that was one of those big moments where I I just remember thinking, oh yeah, um, simple doesn't mean it's uh, it's less or less valuable, and you can actually get really far with with uh, out being very complex or uh, crazy and have this. Uh, super intricate degree of performance. It can be really simple, and you can make a big impact with that. That's funny. That's, that is my 2018 just, like, personal resolution. I'm just going to write it on my forehead with Sharpie all year long. It's just, like, play simple. It's just, like, it's yeah, like, that's, over... That's it. Oh, man. I overcomplicate everything. Like... What should my workout routine? Should I do? Should I plan out some gymnastics progressions? Like, where does rock climbing fit in? Where does running fit in? Where does lifting fit in? Where does it's just like, dude, just do whatever you want. Do it. Yeah. Just do it and don't stop. And that that yeah. approach is like, I just tend to overthink things. I'm I'm exactly like you, fairly self critical on 
the quality of work and the quality of, of thought that I put into things. And, and rather than just be simple and put something I know I'm confident in that produces a maximal, uh, maximum impact, I'll, I'll overthink it. I think that's a, that's a pretty cool, um, kind of anecdote that you give to how just doing something and, and playing simple then turns into a massively successful, repeatable result. Yeah. You just have to, you just have to remember that. (laughs) (laughs) So thankfully you're writing it down in Sharpie. I would, I would actually suggest you tattoo it. (laughs) I'm just going to call you every morning. While you're journaling, you got my just, you, you got my number. <laughs> just remind me. Oh man, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I think I think that kind of, that wraps that wraps some things things up around around what we you know what what we stand for as as a company and Jason and I as a team. And I think um, we always love to ask this kind of this question um, to everybody because our motto is have the best day ever every single day. Um, and it's something that when the first time you hear it, you might laugh. Um, you might think it's a joke or when we talk to people and we sign off every single email, have the best day ever. They're like, all right, these guys are loony. But when you actually break it down and you talk about the simple things and the little things and how every day is an opportunity, it starts to make more sense. And once you start saying it every day, it just becomes a habit. Like just like you said with your CrossFit, it becomes a routine, a habit and a lifestyle. And so we like to pose the question, if you could wake up tomorrow and do anything, what would your best day ever look like? I'm doing it right now. It's, it's, it's this. It's uh, talking to you guys, having these conversations, uh, being able to kiss and hug my wife, having good meals, enjoying the sun. I'm sitting here in this chair right now at home in San Francisco, and the, the sun is hitting me in the back of my neck, and I feel the warmth, and that, that's awesome. I'm, I'm having a nice cup of coffee. Uh, I'm about to go uh, to a lunch meeting that I'm excited about going to. I'm living, I'm living it, and it's the best day every day <laughs> that's that's great that's great it's a perfect answer carl we want to say thank you for sharing some insights and honestly just from brett and i getting to talk to you like this is a just a very cool enjoyable conversation we want to say thank you both for things you weren't aware you were doing for us before um and, and going forward with some of the um concepts and and thought processes and frameworks that we talked about just on how to approach movement and life in general. We just want to say uh, thank you and have the best day ever. Yeah, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate it. And uh, I, I, I want you guys to know that what you're doing is special, and I encourage you to keep doing it. And I, I don't take for granted having these opportunities forever. So I, just so you know, I enjoyed every minute of this and I'm, I'm just thankful for the opportunity and I want you guys to, to know that. And, uh, I, I hope it happens again. <laughs> oh, for sure. Thanks very much, Carl. Just to, uh, just to sign off, where can people find you, join you, listen to you, chat with you? Yeah. Come and find me at uh, freestyleconnection.com. It's not a dating site. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's an exciting site. Um, and, and especially it will be, uh, when we launch, uh, relaunch it here very soon. Uh, but you can also find me on social media, Carl Powley, um, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, I'm there and I love receiving messages from people. So if you listen to this episode, 
hit me up in the DMs, I respond to 100% of the messages, at least with a fist bump and a heart. So I would love to hear from anyone who's listening. Well, thank you very much, Carl, and we hope you have the best day ever.